You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 317, brought to you by Graphically and iFanboy members like you. iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 317. I am Josh Flanagan. <laughs> and I'm, I'm Ron Richards. I'm Connor Kilpatrick. <laughs> You'll never know what we're laughing about, but it's funny. <laughs> iFanboy.com is our website that we started and maintained until it came to fruition. Uh, it's about comic books. We like them. We read them. We talk about them. It's, it's almost all we do. Um, and every week we read a bunch of them, and one of us has the job of picking the one that they like best. They call that the Pick of the Week. A review goes up on Wednesday, and we talk about it on the podcast along with the other books from the week and stuff that's going on. Before we get going, we are going to talk about what happens in this book as if you were looking at a picture of it. And you said, oh, that, that tells me what happened. We're going to do that. So there's spoilers, and if, you're, if, you're, if you don't like that, then come back after you've read it, and then everything's kosher, dude. You know, it'll be fine. Uh, Ron, you had to pick this week. Uh, there was no doubt. Well, it's funny because it's last week we lamented it was a very average week and all that stuff. And this week I just got walloped. And not only did I get walloped, I got like 30 books. And not only yeah. did I get walloped, I got walloped with a lot of really good books. Yeah, I had 27 books and they were mostly really good. And many of them were written by Jason Aaron. Yes, they were four or five of them. I had I had tweeted early in the day as I was reading my books. I go, can we just can we just accept that Jason Aaron won comics this week, and we're gonna get into that in a little little later. But the pick of the week did end up going to the no brainer pick for if you know anything about me and us and I fanboy in general, whatever. But the shade number four, uh, written by James Robinson with art by Darwin Cook. Um and art, art is not a strong enough word. Right, exactly. Well, so so what it is is that um you know we've we've talked we've over the past couple of years we have praised James Robinson's work on Starman. We love the Starman on the buses that recently were released by DC Comics and revisited that great series from the '90s. And then the Blackest Night uh, Starman issue came out. And we raved about that and how great it was. And and when the news of James Robinson doing a Shade miniseries, which is a character for those of the uninitiated, uh, the Shade is a uh, a, I don't want to say a villain because he's not really a villain in Starman, but he's a gray area kind of character. He's a former villain. Yeah, former villain. Former villain, but now just kind of uh, raconteur. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. I don't believe that that covers it. I believe that is a bad explanation. But anyway. uh, he's a, he's a character. Uh, he's a very gray character. He has his yeah. own motivations. He's mysterious and he's endlessly fascinating. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so, uh, and James Robinson has always been very vocal about the fact that he's not going to return to Starman. That Starman is safe in San Francisco, and and if he ever did, he would only do it with Tony Harris. And um, but until then, he would gladly do more Shade stories, and that's what he's been doing here with this miniseries. Um, and the first three issues have uh, have been propelling the storyline there with art by Cully Ham there. But here with issue number four, we get a kind of a revisiting to the Starman format 
um, which previously was uh, every I don't know if there was a, a schedule to it or whatnot, but every it's now between and, arcs, yeah, in between arcs there would be a single issue that was called the Times Past issue, and it would in Starman it would focus on either one of the earlier Starmans or the Shade or a, a main character in the book and t- just tell us tale from their past. Um, and the great thing about the Shade is that his character goes back to the 1800s, so there's a rich long history through the 1900s of his adventures and things like that. So it seems as if there's tons of stories to be mined um, and so with this Shade miniseries uh, Robinson is sticking to kind of what he knows what he what worked on Starman and here we have a you know in between I believe Ham is Ham I believe Hamner's off uh, and we're getting a new artist to continue the story with the issue 5 so. but issue so. 4 we get this little one shot where Darren Cook um, joins him on art and Darren Cook is another uh, ca- creator that we've praised <laughs> also it, it is not just Darren Cook it's his sort of regular collaborators uh, Jay Bone on inks and Dave Stewart yep, on, on- Colors. And Todd Klein. I mean, the, oh, yeah, the, yeah. the lettering is a big deal in this issue. Between you have James Robinson writing the shade, you have Darwin Cook drawing, you have Jay Bone inking, you have Dave Stewart coloring, and you have Todd Klein lettering. That's you, a solid team. You, you can't get any better than You can get as good this, as that team, but you can't get any better than that. There are a lot of Eisners with that team. Yeah. <laughs> and um, exactly, so it's 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 a solid solid team on board for this one shot story, which is a tale of the Shades' life uh, back in 1944, um, and it actually ties into um, much of the Shades' kind of history uh, with his family and uh, his family name, the Caldecotts, and and kind of his legacy. Um, but we get a great 1940s World War II one shot story and if there's ever anyone better to draw that and that uh, I don't I don't think there's anyone better than Darwin Cook to draw that um, given that retro kind of feel that we know and love but it, this you know this you could completely pick this up and not know anything about the shade, not know anything about uh, the, the the history of Starman or anything like that, and you would get a great comic book of a you know a great kind of suspenseful, humorous action you know, like packs a punch, but then also for us longtime Starman fans has a, a, a lot of depth and meaning to the character of the shade and what he, who he is and what his history is. Um, and so after reading it, I just, you know, I put it down and I got pissed when I put it down. So I'm like, you know, I'm like, God damn it. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. I love Parker. I love what Darwin Cook's been doing the past couple of years on the Parker graphic novels. But man, could you imagine an ongoing series by Darwin, a monthly series again? I don't have to imagine yeah. it. I've seen it. Right. Well, uh, and it's going to happen again. And when, when it does happen again, despite the controversy, I'll write, I'll be there reading it. So, um, you know, I guess it's, I guess this is a taste of what, what's to come, what we can look forward to. <laughs> Whoa. If the, if the rumors are true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this, um, this is a great one one shot i mean yeah. we don't get the, we, there's been some more lately than i think in the past but if anyone who's just a fan of darwin cook was curious and was turned turned off by the number four in the cover it doesn't matter it's a it's a one shot story yeah yeah and you can totally enjoy it. It, it it's wonderfully constructed in that you get a whole as ron said you get a whole tale and it doesn't feel light, and it doesn't feel like you're missing anything you get just in it in the storytelling is, is beautiful right also that's no lady yeah. Well, th- well, th- well, think about it. Think about it. just on paper. Just on paper, not knowing anything about the story or anything like that. What you're getting here, like we mentioned, is you're getting a, a a large amount of Eisner winners on board. Then you're getting a retro tale in the 1940s by one of the best artists who can do retro stuff. You're getting Nazis, right? You're getting um, a cowboy, gun-toting, motorcycle-riding hero and vigilante. Right? Yep. Are get- you going to make me call a one eight hundred number right you're now? Get- you're getting you're getting a cross dressing hero, which I didn't <laughs> see coming from. I didn't see that coming at all. 
You just just believe it. And what's what's great is that like I got to give James Robinson credit. He was born to write the Shade character. Yeah. Like and it's and and when you and throughout the issue, um, basically the 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 framing device is that the Shade is writing his journal and he's reminiscing. And so the the narration boxes are his kind of handwriting and his kind of um his uh his his voice. And when he explains about the, the character who uh, uh, Madame Fatale or Richard Stanton, <laughs> it's just I just love that he just says, "I've just got to read it directly." In my varied and some might say tawdry travels, I've encountered that breed of men who enjoy wearing women's clothing. <laughs> but he, the shades up for it. Yeah, exactly. The shades down. <laughs> Listen, well, the, shade, the shade's not going to be like, oh, not for me. The shade's like, I'll t- put it in my mouth. I'll try it. <laughs> After a couple hundred years, you doubt for anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's What's interesting is I think up until this point, I think it's fair to say the three of us were excited for this miniseries but weren't in love with it. Yeah. But for me, just even the first page, reading reading the captions and seeing the art, I went, oh, yeah. this issue um, is going to be on a different level than the first three. Yeah. I mean, just you could. I think the writing was even much better. Yeah. For yep. whatever reason, you could just tell he was he was locked in. Was it the collaboration with Darren Cook? Who knows? It was just the fact that whatever was going on, that spark that was in Starman was there in the first page of this issue and continued through the whole issue. Yeah, and 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 that's and and my only criticism of the issue was that was that there wasn't nearly enough Darwin drawing Opal City, like mm-hmm. that that uh, that third page, the last page with the, with the title credit. With I was like, oh, I would love to watch Darwin get lost in Opal City, and a lot of this action took place on a plane in a warehouse and things like that. But like the Art Deco and all that sort of stuff, like oh, like like I would. I, well, I would, the first the first script had a lot of Opal. He sent it back. He's yeah. like, I'm not not doing that. That's, I, that's a lot of work. I would. Uh, speaking of scripts, I, I I am a little lucky in that James Robinson lives here in San Francisco and he shops at, at the same comic store I shop at. You know, he's writing these scripts longhand. Hmm. Of course he is. Yeah. He, <laughs> on, on a pad, he is writing them in full script. He, the man has beautiful pen. The man has beautiful handwriting. I'll give you that. <laughs> it's just like, but he's writing these, and it's like it's funny because we we talk about James Robinson and how much he, you could just tell he loves these characters and that, and it yep. comes across on the page. And Does I would he wear a top hat. Yeah, no, I wish that would be amazing. But I honestly would read. I would read an, a an ongoing of the Shades Adventures. Written by James Robinson, drawn by Darren Cook. I'd read that series in a second. Yeah, of uh, course. Yeah, <laughs> that's, 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 that's a no-brainer. It's not like it's something you went out on a ledge there. <laughs> oh, I would totally eat that delicious ice cream. Yeah, oh no. If you put that ice cream in a bowl, I'd eat it. Well, yeah, it's very, very good ice cream. I know that's what I'm saying. <laughs> way, to, way to step out there. Uh, I don't know. Wrong. I didn't have a joke at the end. I was... Uh, no, this in a week full of really great books, um, this this was one of the best. It, it was really the counterpoint to last week, and I was really happy. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it may not have been my pick, but it wasn't. If, if that wasn't the case, it was by inches. Yeah, no, and that's the whole thing. Five star book. It was wonderful. It was one of the best I've read in a while. And ultimately, uh, it, was, it was a matter of inches, and and I will explain why. Two things I want before we move on to the next thing is that a the variant cover for this by Darwin. Yeah. I'm taking nothing away from from Tony Harris, but that variant cover is amazing. And it was just in the stack, and I just got to buy it, which I was very happy about. Two, if you liked uh, the Vigilante in this, uh, there's a trade out of uh, James Robinson did a mini series of the Vigilante with uh, Tony Simons a-, a while back. It's a great little story. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yes. Cool. I have it. I'd let you borrow it, but you live really far away. All right. Well, you know, you can mail it. It works. Okay. And just because we have to acknowledge these things in the Justice League cartoon, Nathan Fillion did the voice of the Vigilante. Ooh. Yeah. Uh. Also, if I was using a bad accent, I would say, Vicalente. <laughs> That's the last thing I have to say on the subject. 
You know what else was a great book? Was Wolverine and the X-Men number four. It was so freaking good. It was good. And the funny thing was uh, Nick Bradshaw is his name. Yep. Uh, he, he filled in for... No, uh, he did not fill in. He, they're the alternating artists. He's a, he right. is a every other arc guy. Uh, so him he is, is Francesco Francavilla to, yeah. to the other one's Bach. Right. So yep. Pacheco, I'm not Pacheco, yeah. uh, Bacilo and Bradshaw are, are swapping. And it took me about half the issue to really sort of get into the art. I, at first I was like, oh, I really like the vibe of the old art. This is, this is different, but, it's, but I got, by the end I was enjoying it. I love Nick Bradshaw so much. So much so that Chris Pacello, that was great. But if it was only Nick Bradshaw, I would be pleased as punch. This is he, he. I mean, admittedly, there's a huge Art Adams influence. Oh, it's huge, huge Art Adams influence. But there's such an energy to it that like it, 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 oh, it, just, uh, it, it was great. I loved it. What, what um, do I know Bradshaw for? I read something he did, but I we did a feature on him on a fanboy. Yeah, we he was an he was an upstart. Oh, but what, I mean, but what book did he do? What do I, he did? He did an X Men annual last year that got that's like, that pretty much got everyone's attention, and then he did um, uh, crap. What did he, he did some uh, X Men, uh, the other one, Astonishing X Men stuff recently. Oh, okay, that so, maybe I don't, I didn't yeah. read any of that. I guess I don't know yeah. anything. But for me, the, the strength of this book, this is this is the issue that came back to the first one, in that it was mostly about the school and what was going on at the school. Yep. Which, well, no, which to me is fantastic. Well, no, not only great, but like one page in, first page, you immediately got the tie-in from Uncanny X Force. Yeah. Okay. So, so you, so, and what I thought was great was that they didn't just, they didn't just drop um, Genesis and Angel into the into Wolverine and the X Men and just give you a a box to say go read Uncanny X Force. They actually Bradshaw recreated the scene, you know the the scenes in X Force in his own style in his own way, similar dialogue, you know. But Jason Aaron kind of made it his own. It gave you context. You don't need to read Uncanny X Force to, to understand where they're coming from, but it does help if you did. But I thought they handled it very elegantly. And then, I mean, like the title of this issue was just another day. What is it? Just another day in Westchester, in Westchester County. That's exactly what it is. There's such a mundaneness to this to the series, like where it's just they're just it's just that this is the next day and this is life goes on and they're they're running a school and I loved that they're having a uh, faculty meeting, you know. And, like, and there's a class. You would, where yep. you they, would they, love that. No, I did love it. There's a faculty meeting. Then there's a class in the future, yep. future, uh, future history Futures, class yep. where Deathlock tells them what their futures are going to be. Yep. And uh, then there's the, there's problems with Angel being in the, in the school because he's got no memory of who he is. He thinks he's a real angel. And I, I think what was great about that was you really got to tie in some more Iceman stuff and yep. the ice. You know they're they're both founders of the team, and you don't you know a- Angel's in trouble. They're old old friends, so of yep. course Iceman's the one who's going to freak out about it, and, and you forget that sometimes because he's portrayed to be so young. But uh, this everything I wanted to love about this book, I love. Yeah. I mean, this is this is about the school. It's about kids. It's about teaching them to be mutants and people and heroes and being at a school. And this might be my four issues in might be my all time favorite excellent book. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic. It, it, there's so much great potential. And Bradshaw put in little little bits and pieces to make it special. Like you know when they when they establish at the at the school, you see Toad and Dupe doing the the um, landscaping, which is funny. And then the faculty meeting, there's a dartboard with Cyclops's face on it. You know, like they're just little touches like that that make it. You know, and that's one of the reasons why I like Bradshaw is because it's just so detailed and and puts in so much. You know, so much kind of there's so much stuff going on in every panel. Um, and then, you know, you've got you've got a bunch of compelling storylines. There's drama here. It's so, you know, it's that that soap opera nature that made me love the X-Men so much back in the 80s. It's kind of back and, and I love it. And then um, you get the big cliffhanger at the end that apparently Kitty is pregnant. She's really coming along quickly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she had a flat stomach on one page. Turn a page. She's got a big, big old stomach. Yep. So who knows what's going on there? Um, I love the way Bradshaw draws Genesis, the little apocalypse dude. Um, I thought that was cool. I thought the the glimpse into the future was awesome. 
Yeah. Um, you, you get to see not only uh, as Deathlock is predicting everybody's future, you get a glimpse, and you get a glimpse that to many of these students, you see Kid Gladiator, you see Quentin Quire, who's got a little Phoenix S jacket on. Um, yeah. Really interesting. Really, really interesting. So, um, and I'm loving the the Brood character, by the way. The Brood character is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's great. No, the characters are great. It's funny. It's it's interesting. It's but it's very much not the normal kind of superhero book, which I think turns people off. But I love it. Yep. I love every bit of it. Yep. So uh, the Jason Aaron Palooza co- continued with uh, with Wolverine three hundred, um, which uh, I believe this is Aaron's last arc on Wolverine. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and so this is the big three hundred issue, and um, it, I mean it was good. It was good. I thought the the multiple artists were a little rougher than I would have liked to have been. Um, yeah. Basically, you had Adam Kubert, uh, Ron Garney, and Steve Sanders doing uh, multiple chapters throughout the throughout the issue. Um, but it, Wolverine returns to Japan to deal with the the fallout of the clan Ishida falling down, and now um, Sabretooth is back, and stuff like that happened. And it's just it's it's a lot of the various. It, it almost you get the feeling of Jason Aaron kind of wrapping up all of his plot threads from his run on Wolverine now. Um, yeah, and, and Wolverine versus ninjas is a classic Wolverine trope. Yeah. Uh, you know, he always eventually goes back to Japan to fight a lot of ninjas. That's just what he does. He's been doing it for decades. Um, He's the best he is at that. Yeah. Yes, not only killing or whatever he does, but also ninja fighting. And, oh yeah, what's right. in the? It's his. It's his whole. There's a lot of goofy stuff in here too, like the flight to Japan. He went to the bathroom, and the stewardess came out and handed everybody swords, and they all attacked him. Yeah. Um, and but it was also fun and interesting. And he's got a really great handle on Wolverine and. I enjoyed. I enjoyed this too. This was really good. Yeah, this is great. Although the the backup with the Jeff Loeb written, some Simone Bianchi drawn, uh, how Sabretooth came back, I, that was painful. Oh, I didn't even read that. Oh, uh, I, was, I was like, oh, fucking you, really, really. It just reminded me how See, bad. I, didn't, that I didn't need to know. I just need to know he's back. It yeah. doesn't matter. How. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those, it was some weirdly rough spots in the art, especially from guys like Garney, who are usually really good. So yeah. I wonder how much of a time constraint they were under. But yeah. uh, overall, I thought it was pretty solid. I, I do got to admit, I, I do like um, I do like Sabretooth's new costume, um, dorky. But although, but then towards the end of the end of the story, and I forget what artist it is, it's whoever drew. There's a panel. Oh, I love. I, I just love how Jason Aaron just does wacky things, like they, um, like, <laughs> like they they call the sky yakuza. And it's a bunch of bunch of yakuza guys covered in tattoos on parachutes. It's just like wacky ideas that only Jason Aaron seems to come up with. But there's one towards the end of the story. There's one really poorly drawn saber tooth panel. That was yeah, like, that's ooh. what I was looking at. Yeah, when I was like, like ooh, that's not good. That's not good yeah. at all. That's a Cubert page. I don't know. It just it was solid. It was very solid. Yeah, yeah. Despite very, the dubious numbering on the cover. Yeah. But then, um, but then, continuing not so much the Jason Aaron thread, but the Wolverine thread. Um, X Factor number two thirty um, featured Wolverine. Uh, Peter David is actually quietly not again. You know, X Factor is one where we talked about where you you know you guys liked it way in the beginning because it had noirish and it was Madrox and different. But X Factor has very quietly solidified, become one of the most consistently good X books for X fans on the on the racks month in month out. And he, and with this issue, uh, X Factor kind of connects with Regenesis and um, Havoc and Polaris join the team. That was the big kind of the, the big ending. Um, but it, you know, and a great art by Emmanuel Lupacino. Lupacino. Um, I thought the art was really solid. But um, I'm just really, I've just, I realized as I was reading this issue, I'm like, you know, for the past like six months, I've really been liking X Factor a lot. Um, and it's great to see it now link up to what's been going on with, you know, basically Wolverine comes down and tells X-Factor what he's doing with the school and how he wants them to be involved. And um, all the while they're dealing with the fact that Madrox is dead um, and he's currently um, on ice and 
basically what happened was is that they found out that Layla has the power to bring people back to life. Guido died, and she brought him, she brought him back to life, but now he doesn't. But now he doesn't have a soul. Um, and so now that she's, they're trying to decide whether she should bring Madrox back to life and whether or not, you know, she has, she can, it's, you know, should you be messing with life and death? That kind of question. Um, but Peter David, you know, he puts in little funny little things. Like at one point, long shot turns to Guido and goes, so what's it like not having a soul? And Guido's like, ah, James Brown doesn't do it for me anymore. You know, like just like little throwaways or like at one point where um where Wolverine comes down and and, st- and starts telling them what what about the schism and Longshot goes oh is this about your fallout with Cyclops and Wolverine's like how do you know and he's like Longshot says Allison told me Dazzler and he goes oh you still talk like just introducing like little background of the characters and the soap opera uh, aspect of it just it, it's working well with all the rest of the books so um I don't know X Factor is good it was it was a good it was to see Wolverine it wasn't a groan and here's Wolverine guest starring like it served a purpose it moved the story forward and now that havoc and pliers are back i can't wait to see where it goes josh come back to us and talk about also wait to add to that quickly madrox isn't really dead so oh i bet it was just one of his multiples (laughs) no no i actually he's he's doing something really interesting with the power and with the multiples and stuff like that and and if you read it you know like but it's um it's again peter david is doing some magic with madrox so if you ask me so listen on any other – let's get back and say some nice things about Jason Aaron because, frankly, it's been too long. This guy, he's, he's working his butt off. He's putting it out there. He doesn't get anything. You <laughs> no, know? Credit. no credit. It, no credit. It, it's, a, it's a shame, and I blame ourselves, first of all, because I just – you know, we need to take, take responsibility for that. And any other week, the shade number four, easily a pick of the week. I'm not saying it's not, but then on any other week, the shade four didn't come out. Scout number 55 is pick of the week. This is the – outlet of what a lot of people have been waiting for uh, the culmination in this series. Of five years of yeah uh, and it, there's uh, there's still five to go which I'm glad because I, I there's, you need a lot of time to sort out the things that have happened but uh, the Shunka dash fight which is what most of this issue was which was a silent uh, sequential panel uh, smorgasbord of wonder uh, between dash uh, who's got it's his mouth brutal, wired shut can't talk fight yeah, yeah, I likened it to the Dan Doherty Captain Turner fight for those of you who watch Deadwood, which is my favorite uh, television fight. Let's just this silent, wet thumping of fists and 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 dry wood cracking and breaking, and just this brutal, awful fight um, between these two characters who have who have hated each other with this, you know, damnation flame hate. This they really just hated each other all the time, you know. And now we kind of know why, um, <clears throat> because uh, Shunka, by the Shunka can't get love, and that's sad. Yeah. I love just shut up. Okay, like it's terrible. Uh, it's just a wonderful. Uh, Gera's never been bad, but uh, the Gera who is who is drawing this book now uh, is is incredible. Uh, it is in terms of storytelling. It was just a, a wonderfully laid out book, um, and it was a, it was exact. Like once the fight started, I was like, this is going to go the whole issue because it has to. Like this has to be the the focus of the issue, and and so many times in in comic books, especially we talk about. Uh, people are always talking about fights, and there's, you know, that's all Marvel is now. It's just fights. Uh, you know, it's oh, I want to see the Hulk versus Thor, and like this was a fight that was that was built up and meant something and went on for a long time and, and was worth the time it well, took. A to fight's read it. only only good when there's a consequence to the fight. Right. Otherwise, it's just noise. So this was five years of 
of consequence and there's emotional resonance. And if you've been reading the book, you know why the thing, things are spilling out physically that have been happening emotionally. And, and you know, there's two characters who we've been following for a long time meet their ultimate end of this issue. And then uh, the issue actually ends itself with, with the moment we've been waiting for since the very first issue of Scalped, which is, uh, you know, um, a reveal. Bad Horse revealing to Red Crow that he's an FBI agent and, and, and arresting him. So that's what we've been waiting for for the very beginning when we found out that Bad Horse was an undercover FBI agent. And, been, and the, I, the, I, the precursor to that, by the way, was also uh, to him revealing it like because he had his mouth wired shut. Yeah. So that was groom. And also, and also the, nunchuck, the nunchucks were not an afterthought still. Yeah. Oh, they're back. I feel like if you get whacked multiple times in the head with nunchucks, you probably are staying down. I don't know. I've never been whacked with nunchucks, but I've, that's Shunka's I... Shunka's a tough dude. Yeah. His name it, even sounds tough. Shunka. Shunka. But this was fantastic. Garo, as you said, was amazing in this issue, as he is every time. But this was really a tour de force for him because, as you said, most of the issue was silent. Um, but uh, just wonderful. And, and five more issues. I'm, I'm, I'm emotionally preparing for it. It's going to – we'll, I think it feels like to me that, that Aaron is wrapping this up the right way. Yeah. And Gara, I believe, did uh, uh, at least some of the sound effects on the board. Just note there. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, on the other side of Vertigo, I guess a very different kind of story, um, is uh, Unwritten number 33. And, and they've been doing this thing where they're double shipping it uh, and they're naming the ones in the middle like 32.5, 30, which sounds on paper just absurd. I don't, I don't want to do that. doesn't matter. It's been really, really good. And I get the sense now, and I, did, I didn't really think about it, but I guess it makes sense. I get the sense that they're starting to wrap up this story, um, which is fine. It should, doesn't need to go on forever. Um, basically, um, Tommy, uh, who is not Harry Potter but is similar uh, but older, has gotten lots of people to believe in him. And in doing so, he's become very powerful. So then he's gone on his kick-ass quest to take care of everything. There's this really cool scene where they raise the spirit of an, of an architect uh, in the form of like a statue to tell them um, sort of where the, the bad guys are hiding. And then he goes in there to, to kick butt. And obviously, you know, something goes wrong. But it has been a lot of fun. Different uh, inker on this one than it has been. So it looked a little different. That was the only complaint I had. It wasn't that it was bad. It's just that it was different. Um, it's been been a been a great book. I don't I don't know how long it'll keep going, but um, you know if this is sort of the end of the story, then it's been it's been tons of fun. iFanboy is part of the Graphically family, and at graphically.com you can find over five thousand comic books from over three hundred publishers. People like Image Comics and Arkea and Boom and Top Cow and Top Shelf and many 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 more. And beyond the comics at graphically.com, you can also get graphically newsstand apps, which is where you can subscribe to some of your favorite titles, and they'll just show up to you every month on your phone without you having to do anything. There's a little pop-up, a little one on your newsstand knowing you've got a new issue. Took books like The Walking Dead or, or Morning Glories or Chew, things like that. And there's also books on the Nook and the Kindle Fire. There's lots of people reading books on the tablets. A lot of people got tablets for Christmas and discovering comics on those devices. And you can find all kinds of books there as well as other, devi- other uh, tablets and things like that. And if you will follow Twitter.com slash Graphically, you can get all the big news and go to Graphically.com for some digital comics. Excellent. So um, to make sure we talk about Jason Aaron every at least every time. That guy. Minutes. I've been trying to think of his name. Right. <laughs> uh, Punisher Max, num- Punisher Max number 21 because, uh, is the second to, last issue? second to last issue ending Jason Aaron's run on Punisher Max. And when I look back on Punisher Max, what the memories will come to me, what I'll think of is Punisher fighting with tools. 
Yes, and that's my really. Jason Aaron has between the the fight with Bullseye with, with the construction, and now here the big fight with the Kingpin, which basically ends with the Punisher <laughs> hitting him over the head with a with a hammer, driving the hammer into his head. <laughs> I wonder if he recently moved and had to do some renovations. <laughs> I don't know. But man, this this has just been. I'm gonna miss this book. It's just been so much fun. It's, this was fantastic. The Punisher gets shot out all to hell. And he's, he's dying and bleeding to death, but he still has the energy to fight the. Fight the kingpin, drive a hammer in his head, and then shoot him in the back of the head, and then stumble home in a in a pool of blood. It it's hard to believe the next issue won't end in his death, but yeah. uh, this is this has been wonderful. Yep, I one of my favorite books. This has been amazing. It's just been amazing, and the great great um, eight panel uh, page by uh, Steve Dillon, which t- is pulling in all the key moments of his life. While the yep. fight is going on, you know, like he's flashing back to being in boot camp, flashing back to his family dying, flashing back to, you know, to uh, becoming Punisher, the fight with the bullseye, like all stuff like that. Oh, it was great. So, yeah. I, I worry that Scott Snyder will listen to this episode and then secretly resent Jason Aaron. <laughs> no, I think Scott Is Snyder's that a problem? <laughs> okay. Well, he should put out four books in one week like Jason Aaron did. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I think he only had one book this week. And it's just like, come on, get with it. It's, it's fine. I want to talk about the activity number two. Uh, by uh, Nathan Edmondson on story and Mitch Garrods on art. Um, the last issue I liked, pretty pretty standard in terms of story for like a here's the spy team, kind of like the losers. Um, but as I was reading it this time, I, I I found myself really in love with the with the visuals of it. I just think the pages were really well put together, and and it was exciting, and it was fast, and it moved really fast, and and the dialogue actually really helped that a lot because it was that sort of quick patter of. Um, you know, spy military chat, uh, lots of lots of jargon and things like that did well. But um, I, I've just been really impressed by the the storytelling of it. Like a bunch of things all sort of happen at once, and and you're not entirely sure what what the whole deal is. But uh, page by page, uh, it just looked really good. It was really energetic. There's a ton but, of moment, ton of momentum in this, yes. in this issue. Yeah, just like very and, always moving forward. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. Really and well and that's and that's 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 a really fun thing in comics. That's yeah. one thing we do well. Yeah. So uh, Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, number five, uh, it was the la- last half of the Frankenstein-OMAC crossover. And while in OMAC we thought it was fun, I was curious to see how it worked in Frankenstein, and, and it fell flat, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> it well, just, it was basically just the other side of what was happening already. It was yeah. a crossover, but it wasn't. And yeah. The story didn't progress, really, to this issue. It just You saw this the fight or this, the story from the perspective of Frankenstein and Shade. Yeah. As opposed to Omak and Brother Eye. Yeah, and really the most interesting stuff I found was the stuff that happened at the end of the issue, really. You know, like with the with – the, um, when he's back getting his arm fixed and all that sort of stuff. I mean there was – it was good that Lemire was able to still have some some forward movement in the story and with the character. But this just felt really shoehorned in. And maybe because I read the Omak version already. Maybe because Omak just looks silly not drawn by Giffen and Kirby style. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Who knows? Whatever. It's canceled. It doesn't matter anymore. So, <laughs> have you been reading this book the whole time, or is it just, yeah, 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 yeah? So, I, I, this is the first issue I read since the first. So, it was. I, I love the art. That's. I mean, I might pick up the next issue because I love the that's that so much. But yeah, you're right. It was. It was. I was kind of surprised. It's basically the same story. So you didn't necessarily have to read either you know, both issues. It was the same thing. It didn't at all. Yeah, exactly. So, um, New Avengers number twenty. Um, just some quick quick thoughts. It's the new Avengers versus the new Dark Avengers, and I'm while this was good, Bendis writing these characters is great. I'm sick of Diodato drawing Tommy Lee Jones as Norman, but whatever that's been going on for years. I finished this issue and I'm like, wow, I've read that before. 
That's why I dropped this a couple yeah. like six months ago. Yeah. yeah, it just feels very uh, treading the same ground. Doesn't feel you know what I mean? Like even though the it's, characters are different, slightly different, and now Daredevil's involved and all this sort of stuff, and Norman has a new kind of plan and a new secret, you know, evil group and stuff like that. It just it just seems very redundant. So that's why I got off. Yeah, uh, earlier. Nice. Oh, really? What'd you do? I kn- I knew about that. <laughs> I knew I knew that that was going to happen. Yeah. Cupping his balls. Exactly. Yeah. So. Cup what? Oh. <laughs> what? No, I just recently read the Invincible Viltrumite War Trade. It's uh, volume 14, volume 15 came out this week, but I, I was one back. So I, I read that literally last week and I l- loved almost every moment of it. Yeah. In- Invincible is is it's it's tough. It it falls in that category of it's so consistently good. It's hard for us to talk about it, you know. <laughs> well, even you know, I would even say from an artistic standpoint, like Ryan Otley's a guy who really takes his art seriously, and so he pushes himself. Like he's getting better. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like his sequences that he's doing, he's doing are 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 lovingly crafted. I would yeah. say, but you're right in that it's it's harder to say things about it because it's it's still good. I mean, but the, at the same time, you know. It, Kirkman's actually not sticking with a status quo with this. Like no, he's changing things. He's yeah. changing the game. Yeah, a lot. And um, yeah, like but another good issue. Yeah. You know, so on this path to, seven, do we have the new Invincible yet, or is it still Mark? I don't. No, I think they forgot Mark. about that. I think that's the. I think that's the Avengers closet. <laughs> they were like, "Here's a Black Invincible. What Black Invincible? That didn't happen." <laughs> um, no. Well, this basically. So this picks up um, the last couple issues have been drawn by Corey Walker as he returned to the title, and we focused on um, Alan and uh, Mark and Invincible's dad. And now that storyline has collided, has come back, and now Otley is back, and, and it kind of ties back into what's going on with Invincible on Earth and the ramifications of the Vulturemite War, and, and you know it's tying into that. And this is just the this is the most unique, probably one of the I mean, as we said, the one of the best superhero books on the market. If you're not reading it, you're re- and if you're into superheroes, there's really there's no excuse. Like there's you're really missing out. So I think that we can safely say that if there were an Eisner for zero gravity blood, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's just, there's nobody to even compete in that yeah, category. They would absolutely win. They would absolutely yeah. win. He's the Dave Stewart of zero gravity blood. <laughs> every year, knocking it down, knocking it down, knocking it down. Every year. So, um, did either of you guys give Scarlet Spider number one a chance? No, no. I like Ryan Figman's art a lot, but I don't have any affection for the Scarlet Spider. In fact, he's one of the reasons why Spider-Man almost collapsed many years ago. Well, it's not actually the Scarlet Spider. Yeah, it's but it's, it's the. It's yeah. the whole idea of the, yeah. the clone and that whatever this became led to this, and yeah. I feel like going back and treading, retreading this whole era is is a bit of a nose thumb. But yeah. well, fair sell enough. it to me, Ron. That said, I was I was really impressed by it. I was really impressed by it. I thought it was really solid. I thought um, uh, Yost uh, has come up with a great concept in terms of – right there on the cover, it says all the power and none of the responsibility. So where when you've got someone who has all of Peter Parker's powers but none of his upbringing – um, what happens? Um, and you get a lot of moments here where he's just, you know, basically Kane is on the run after, you know, after the events of Spider Island. People know, you know, know about his past crimes and he's for he's fear that he might, you know, have to have to deal with that. So he's run, trying to run to Mexico and he stops in Houston and you know gets involved with stuff and and chooses the hero route. And um, in terms of a of a good single 
single superhero kind of story, it's intriguing. I'm curious to see if a new character like this, and while Kane isn't new and the concept of the Scarlet Spider isn't new, for all intents and purposes, this is, you know, you could read it. You don't, you don't need to have known the clone Zaga. You don't need to know who Kane is. Um, you just get the idea that somebody with spider powers who has a different approach than Peter, and um, it was just really engaging, and Stegman's art was great. I thought it was really... How, d- how does one swing around an area that is primarily single-story buildings and very spread out? <laughs> have you been to Houston? There's I only a downtown once. area. That's, that's, that's <laughs> it was buildings. it was like walking in hot soup. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is a, there is a, there is a moment there is a moment where he comments on the humidity. And he's like, he says there my, are he says my there are a lot of there are a lot of adult uh, establishments. Yeah. Well, in I Houston. mean, it appears as if he found the two tall buildings and swang in between them because there is a panel <laughs> where he's swinging between buildings. Swanging. So. <laughs> Perfect. But um. <laughs> No, Stegman did it. Stegman did a great job on the art. I mean, it looks really, really good. And it's, I mean, and, and, no, there's no doubt on that. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, if you if you're looking for something new and something, and who knows how long it's going to last. I hope it lasts longer. You know, just because I like, you know, I like Stegman's art. Um, but um, I was that guy. That guy will kill a series. I was pleasantly surprised. So good. Yeah. Captain America number seven sure looked good, didn't it? I just don't care about the story at all. I, that's that's no. why I dropped. Oh, I'm I so that. glad I'm not alone. Oh no. my god! I, I I left three issues ago. Yeah, it I'm looks sorry. beautiful. I don't, care. Don't, gonna. Get, don't get me wrong. It looks it good. looks gorgeous. Yeah. The, it's funny because this is all about the mad the mad bomb. Yeah. And I was recently looking through the Captain America Kirby omnibus, and that almost entire omnibus is about the mad bomb. Which oh yeah, is funny. So that's all Kirby. That's all. Yeah. That's um, all, but yeah. God, I just don't care. And you know, it's like new. You talked about it with New Avengers. It's just. It's it's been too long. Yeah. It's just been too long for well, a group like Captain America. I mean, the, the tough thing about this is that so I just I haven't cared about Captain America since the, the this relaunch since the since with McNiven. I didn't care really about that one. With this one, Brubaker's really really trying to play in the Grunewald Kirby playground, you yeah. know, because you know Grunewald did the cap you know de aging kind of storyline as well, and then you know and now with the Mad Bomb and that sort of thing. I, I just I just don't care. It just has no weight or ramification to me at all. Does he does so. he does Henry Kissinger show up in this one? No, no, it's not he does like, in the Kirby stuff. Yeah, yeah no, that would be amazing. Um, it's Alan Davis though is is wonderful. There's a couple of w- great shots of Captain America training to get because yep. he, he was de super soldier serum last issue, which he just did in the super soldier miniseries, which is why. Well, no, no, I think that I think they were relating it to that because it, it was no, but it's just like it's like yeah. you just did it last yeah. year. Yeah, yeah I know. you know, yeah. So, uh, I just I finished this going I don't care, but yeah. it's I don't know what to do. I don't yeah. know. What to Get do. off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> You've oh. been playing for 5 hours, Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Stop. Stop. <laughs> so. Oh my god, they're still doing Born to Come on. Ah, <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> So those are the books that came out this week. It was a packed week. It was hard to pick which books to talk about. I could have talked about 10 more, um, but we don't have a ton of time. But um, uh, go to ifanboy.com slash comics. You see all the books that came out this week, um, and you can go and write your, you know, do your picks and make your pick of the weeks and do your reviews and do your ratings and all things like that. Um, and want to highlight the top five picks of the week from the iFanboy community. And uh, number five uh, comes in. It's, it's, it's going to be a pattern we're going to see happen here in the top five. Number five is Punisher Max, number 21, with 5% of the pick of the weeks. Uh, Jason Aaron charting at number five. Um, the number four pick of the week was Batwoman, number five, from J.H. Williams, uh, with 7% of the picks of the weeks. Uh, number three, once again, Jason Aaron comes in with Scalp, number 55, with 8% of the pick of the weeks. Um, number two, uh, everyone, uh, a large, uh, a larger number than I thought agreed with me with the shade number four coming in at number two at 60% of the pick of the weeks. Smaller and than I thought. That's Darwin Cook's uh, yeah. influence. Yeah. 
And uh, number one uh, was Jason Aaron again with uh, Wolverine and the X-Men number four with 38% of the pick of the weeks. Um, they need to get that guy a contract. Yeah, they really, really – I think he's onto something to be honest with you. Someone should give him some books to write. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So, you know that in, in college, uh, George Clinton paid out, played for four hours plus in the, in the gym? I didn't go to that. I did. I was deaf for like a week afterwards. <laughs> I didn't go to that. <laughs> wow. Four hours. Four hours. I don't know why. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you still going? Okay. I'm gonna go. <laughs> hey, are you guys still down there? We, we, you couldn't ask us. We didn't have cell phones then. But, <laughs> yeah. <it's> true, yeah. <laughs> well, some people did, but they were really big, and you kept them in your car. I had a and if you used them, it was like eight bucks a minute. I had a beeper in college. Hmm. I'm not making the joke. <laughs> Anyway, that's from Long Island. I need to use the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Could you get the phone? That's what it is. True story. All right. Uh, <laughs> Ron would come in and rip my blankets off all the time, and I couldn't get it anywhere with residents. It wasn't there. not funny. It wasn't not funny. <laughs> I, I, went, I was in L.A. once, and I was going up an escalator, and I was with my wife. She was my girlfriend then. And then coming down was Tammy. And I like after a second, Lindsay and I looked at each other, and I was like, what's that? And I just go, it wasn't that and then we had to be very quiet. Yeah, yeah. So. It wasn't as screechy as you're doing. It was more. It was more. I, well, yeah. yeah. There's a thing in, in comedy sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Uh, where you take a reality, which is which is fine, but you just you just turn it up a little bit, trying yeah. to get uh, more of a reaction. Sometimes. I mean, it's it's a little bit sticky. I'll give you that. It's it's a little hacky, but I, I've fallen I've fallen guilty to it sometimes. Sometimes. Anyway, sometimes. so we didn't talk about Batwoman number five, but somebody reviewed it. The mythical reader reviewed it. <laughs> He's the mythical reader, the one that's where the readers. Where's the reader? I think it's. I think it's supposed to say new. <laughs> the mythical new reader, uh, give a story of five out of five, and the art of five out of five, and pick of the week percentage. As Ron said, was seven percent, and the mythical reader says and it's very important because he is the mythical reader. So what he says it should be very important. The subject matter involved here, past and present, life and death, truth and deception, and is, is varied and complex. Yet, in spite of the brevity of the medium's form, the book ap- adeptly interweaves its well-developed elements into a cohesive, richly layered narrative. In demanding more from the medium, this book challenges and elevates it. Batwoman serves as an aspirational model for what comics can achieve. Now, that is just one paragraph from what is a very well-written review. So I encourage everyone to go to the website, go to ifanboy.com, go to the page about this podcast, click on the link to read the review, because the mythical reader, he's, he's doing some good reviewing. So Who's he trying to impress with all those big words? Impressed me. You. Yeah. You the know what? I don't, I don't. <laughs> book learning. Producer of the show, but who picks the the, the yeah. reviews? Uh, another this. gorgeous issue from from J.H. Williams. I think the story fell kind of flat. Uh, the other, the interesting elements were the D.E.O. elements and the sidekick elements. The the main story, the murder mystery. I couldn't even really tell you what it was about or what happened. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know who that person was that she was dealing with, but I was very happy that we just got on with it in the Agent Chase arena. Yeah, agreed. Who I don't really it's an interesting know. development. Batwoman turns down yes. Batman Incorporated to join the DEO. Yeah. And others she's gonna be a bit at odds with the DEO, a bit at odds with Batman, you know, a bit at odds with her father. So she's really on her own. Because yep. even though she's part of the DEO, she's not really part of the DEO. So she's so it's the, that part was interesting. It was the murder mystery that drive the story I didn't really care for. But Yeah. But uh, it was fucking beautiful. Yeah. Oh, gorgeous. Gorgeous. What's this starts Amy Reader's tender on art, which should be good. Gorgeous. Reader's good. Yeah. Bello, one. Oh, go ahead. Are we not done? Well, it's interesting to see what people will think after seeing all the J.H. Williams art. For, well, different... And he's coming back. He's coming back. So. No, he's coming back, but yeah. it's just a very different style. Yeah. You're going to see. You're going to see a dip in that line graph. Because, you know, people will stop reading it. Bello, one, two, three, four, <laughs> set of whispers number one, uh, which is for the this new. One. 
Joshua Luna book. Uh, gave the story of 4 out of 5 and the art of 4 out of 5. The pick of the week percentage was one-tenth of a percent point. Joshua Luna of the Luna Brothers writes and draws his first solo series. I said that. The protagonist of the story is a germaphobe that can listen to his closest friends and family's minds and can become their inner voice. If this doesn't pique your interest, I don't know what will. Strong characterization, great premise, and solid art makes this a must-buy. And agreed. He some uh, Bellow one two three four. That 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 was the entire review that he wrote. He or she wrote. <laughs> but that summed it up pretty much. If you read uh, Girls or the Sword or um, or Ultra, you, you're familiar with the Luna Brothers. It's interesting to see Joshua Luna kind of branching out on his own um, and writing and drawing this. And it was it, I, I dug it. So this was my my light week pick, and I was glad that it turned out to be pretty good. So. I hope those guys are okay with each other. I know. I think there, there might have been a falling out. I'm not sure. Wow. No, I don't know. I'm kidding. I don't have no, I have no knowledge. Wow. Yeah. No, let's start. Let's, let's see if we can get this up on Bleeding Cool. <laughs> well, that, that's not hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. If you want to rate and review your comics, go to ifmr.com slash comics. You can pick them and rate them and put your reviews in there. We might even pick them to read them on the show. Cool. If they're good, make them good. If they're good. If they're good. Or if nobody else did one that week. So... <laughs> It's true. On to the emails. Our first email comes from Nathan from Atlanta. For certain books, I mean, if we're looking for a specific book, oh yeah, show. I mean, there's like one. Everybody just fucking wrote. Everybody just wrote about Avengers. We're already talking about that. Yeah. Look, if you're going to write about the book, we're going to talk about. it. It's not going to get on the show. That's yeah. That's just how it works. Just know that. Listen, if it's the pick of the week and you go in and write your review after that, that's great. That's good for the website. It's fine. Not going to hear it on the show. Right. Maybe unless it's awesome. If you do it in verse. I'm not saying that's going to happen. There's a chance. Challenge. Wow. Yeah, press me. <laughs> All right. On to the email. Our first email is from Nathan from Atlanta who wrote in saying, The other day I was rewatching Mad Men, and it occurred to me that if this is a comic book, it would have to be written and drawn by Howard Chaikin. Which led me to wonder, if popular TV shows were comics, who would be the creative teams? Who would do The Wire, Breaking Bad, Battlestar Galactica? What shows would you pick and what creators would make them? Michael Lark would draw The Wire. All right. Who would write it? It's easy to say Greg Rucka, but it's not Greg Rucka. Yeah. It, Jason Aaron would write Breaking Bad. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be, because uh, uh, I don't think many people would read it, but but Peter David would write Battlestar Galactica. I, I, I was, I was going to throw Abnett Landing that way, too. Oh, that would be good, too. I would yeah, do that. that. Yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who should draw that, though? Who would, who would, who would, who would draw Breaking Bad? That's a, that's a good... And by, by the way, be, I love Chaikin. Not sure mm-hmm. I agree with the Mad Men, but well, uh, because if he drew that, then yeah. then everybody would half yeah. people would hate it. I, Darwin I, Cook would do Darwin or Allred. Oh. Darwin or Allred. Allred the Mad Men book. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They could alternate arcs. Breaking Bad could be Phil Noto. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. I see somebody much more scratchy. Somebody okay. who's who's way more sketchy that it's just like it's Jock. about to break out of the Jock. Jock. Eh. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. I don't, I don't know. know. It's curious. Not seeing it. Battlestar Galactica. You need like a, like a somebody who can do characters really well, realistic looking people, but also do like big space space battles. Things like to do the George, the George Jaunty esque Buffy treatment. Yeah. You know. Um, um, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Battlestar. We should really look at these questions ahead of time. <laughs> I did. Did, yeah. you see, did you watch? I them? hate. You, I hate emails like this. They're like, "What are your top five stories of all time?" This is gonna take me forever to write back to. I don't. I don't know. Did you? I gotta do it just for you. Did you watch the Portlandia episode, by the way? No. Oh, it was it's just, not that one yet. Oh, it was so fucking funny. It, the link was broken by the time I got. Any? To it. Well, it's, it's been on. Any? Anyone who's a fan of, of Battlestar Galactica needs to watch the first episode of, of Portlandia. It was. It was genius. It was so good. <laughs> 
<laughs> just for James Callis alone. It's like it's like what artist what artist would you put in this book? And all of a sudden, I can't think of any artist in the world. They're all <laughs> gone. Like, I'm just there's the only person who exists is Alan Davis. I'm like, oh, that's not quite. I right. was gonna say Alan Davis too. <laughs> the only artist I can think of right now. It's it's as if he's the only person who exists. <laughs> Kara would be great for Breaking Bad. Yes, that's Kara. What I'm thinking. Yeah. It's Kara and Jason Aaron, their next project together, Breaking Bad. There you go. We I don't just, want that. From Boom Studios. <laughs> Start a show. <laughs> you said, wow, it's, I didn't expect him to do a licensed book. <laughs> just follow, they're just doing the show's storyline. Surprising. <laughs> they must be paying them a lot because this is just garbage. Also, it's the same book as their other book. Yeah. Pretty and much. First. Oh, man. What right. artist would draw Battlestar? Uh, who's a really good space artist? Sean Phillips. Yeah. We're, we're thinking about it. We're like, well, Jack Kirby. Jim Starlin. <laughs> <laughs> no. Otley. No, Otley can't do the faces. Yes, he can. Like, he can do lots. Of, he's done lots yeah. of great acting. Yeah, yeah, he's great true. for it. True, Otley. I'd go with Otley. He's never going to leave Invincible. We're going to see him draw that until he dies. Yeah, never. Never would. I was going to say Carrie Randolph, but that's just because I read Starboard. Yeah, so you have no imagination. <laughs> yeah, no, none whatsoever. <laughs> you know whatever, whatever's in front of Ron at the time. You know who'd be good in this spy movie with lots of running around? <laughs> that Jason Bourne guy. <laughs> Matt Damon. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Craig? Yeah. I, was a clueless, uh, I was a clueless executive in that character. Yeah. See. All right. I, Next I email it. comes from Vicious Smith, who says, What books do you forbid yourself from reading on the bus or train? For me, Preacher used to be number one, but now I think Love and Rockets has topped it. Why? Lots of love and quite a few rockets. <laughs> I know what Connor's going to say. Connor's going to say, F everybody. I read what I want all no, the time. No, no, no. Well, sort of. I mean, I, I've read Pre- Preacher on the Train. We did that Preacher show many years ago for the video show. We had to reread the whole series back when we used to read. And uh, I read the whole thing on the subway commuting to work. Um, I probably only would read, like, wouldn't read like something that had like explicit porn. I'll tell you what I don't what I don't read on the bus here in San Francisco. I don't read Hawkman. That that's that's yep. smut. You know you don't want to be seen in public with it. <laughs> exactly. I know. I I don't I don't like to read comics that look like stereotypical stupid childish comics. Yeah. I just don't uh, care. Some of them just look like that. No, I, I don't know. It's just like a thing. Yeah. But I mean, the other side of it being like, I think that the idea of read comics in public day is retarded. Well, yeah, yeah but, but that's a different topic. But the yeah. thing I is, know. like, if you, I don't because I always read comics if in public. If you're reading it, why are you ashamed to read it anywhere? It's not that I'm, you know, specifically. I remember reading Preacher on a train and like sitting next to a woman who was clearly very religious, and I just thought, I can't, I can't, I can't do this to her right now. Right. She's gonna think I'm evil. It's yeah. just like a, a courtesy thing. I'm trying. Generally, I take the I don't give I don't give a shit. I'll just buy. I, kind of, I pretty much do too. Yeah, I'll read whatever I want. But I'm trying to think of uh, there, there. I'm pretty sure there was books where I was like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know. Like the, the, there definitely has been where I was just like. I'm sure that I've been reading like scalped on the train or something. There's like a kid sitting next to me. It's just three pages of them doing heroin and fucking. Connor, you know what I just remembered? Do you remember that year we went to San Diego? Which one? There's a lot of them. <laughs> no, but on when you and I, you you and I were on the flight together, and I brought my laptop and I was watching oh. I was watching old school. You started watching old school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> Embarrassed about it, but you're like, you know, I just, I just feel like this isn't the. T- I was watching. Well, all you're uh, is that when, when you're sitting in the aisle seat on a plane, and you're watching old school. The the uh, basement Jello wrestling scene is very long. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was watching uh, same thing. Like on on a flight, I was watching Game of Thrones on an iPad, yeah. and I was like, put it down. Yep. Watch it. Put it down. Because I was next to like a kid or something like that. Yeah, no, I know, I know. no, it was that. It was Rome. It was Rome, which is oh. like at least it wasn't yeah, Spartacus. 
Well, have you Rome seen was, Rome? Yeah. It's like it's like that, but with a good script. It, like I don't, I don't, I'm not gonna flaunt something that's risky. Yeah. But I'm also not gonna shy away from it. Like when I read Preacher, I didn't be like, "Hey, look at these pages! Everyone boobies. in the train car, look at these boobs!" It was just kind of like I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't flaunt it. Maybe, I usually, that's, what I, maybe that's what I did wrong. Yeah. Well, if if only hindsight, man. Anyway. So this, I, I think probably Lost Girls would be the, the line for me. That's probably <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> Girls on the train. <laughs> I do remember this isn't actually related to um, the bad uh, uh, material, but I was reading not bad, but um, risque material. I was reading uh, Jinx. I think it was Jinx on a plane once, and there's a double page spread where it like twists and turns and spins around. That was a pain in the ass on a plane. That was torso. Yeah, yeah torso. torso. Like, oh come on. Yeah. I'm like I've got poking the other guy with my elbows. Sorry, I'm just trying to. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so if you have a question, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com under the voicemail. Our first question's uh, got a question that I've been asking myself as well. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Logan from South Carolina. And I was just curious, um, with the new Green Lantern um, comic that was released with the new DCU, I was wondering what could be done for the for the comic book to be better because, let's be frank, it is not a good Green Arrow, and I'm a big Green Arrow fan. Um, so if you could just give this question uh, a pretty decent answer, which you guys usually do, but not sometimes. So thank you. Bye. Most of that voicemail was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> some of it. Some of it wasn't. I mean, no, he, I'm not going to do the, you know. Well, you brought it on yourself, Logan. To be fair, he's not wrong. <laughs> no, he's not, no, he's not wrong at all. I, I'm... I'm shocked anyone's still listening. <laughs> I, I I guarantee you that I've lost people this episode. <laughs> I get, there's no this someone at someone at home right now has got their headphones on. Like, You're damn right. <laughs> Slam. <laughs> so so where where did they go wrong with Green Arrow, Connor? Bad writing. Yeah. Bad art. Well, no. I mean, I, yeah. Well, I mean, bad that. writing, bad art, but also I think I think in bad ter- premise. I think in terms of um, in terms of trying to recreate the character, just doing it in a contrived, not in compelling way at all. Like it just lacked any sort of direction and lacked any sort of hook. You know, I don't know that the premise is contrived because the premise is basically just de-aged him. Yeah, and it's the same character. So I, I mean, I mean, I don't know. Premise-wise, they made him basically Steve Jobs, but that's what they would happen in the modern day world. So, like the premise, I don't, you know, personally, I don't think it's the problem. It's just that the the art was too much in the nineties. I think yep. Dan Jurgens is is art belongs in a certain era and I think the writing wasn't strong and I think when you come down when it comes down to it what is a comic book it's writing and art and if the writing and art is both bad or inappropriate then you're going to have a bad comic book unless it's really good it is a tough sell to modern audiences without using the nostalgia factor because it's a dude who has all these resources and he uses a bow and arrow and in this world yep. and in ones with with meta human supervillains a bow and arrow is silly yep there's never been a, a Hawkeye series that has been able to maintain on its own. And Arrow's one of the more popular DC characters. So I, I mean, he's, I, kind of, I, he's I, had he's had his moments in the sun too. He can be done well. I mean, I think that you know the the hard traveling heroes era proved that Green Arrow can be really kind of compelling and really kind of a you know play up the Robin Hood socially responsible kind of you know like that, that side of things. But they just haven't done that. And then and then more recently the you know they the, have yeah. and they've done it like a bunch of times over True, like yeah. 
you need to think of a new thing and it has to be really good and that's a huge challenge. Yeah, you have true. to be very good to do that. I think I think a lot of what was possible with that character has been done. Yeah. So then they said, well, well let's try to change it, but they did that badly, which yeah. is what's happened with most of the the DC series that have quote unquote failed. Yeah. Is that they tried to reboot it, but they did it badly. Yeah. Uh, because it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm honestly surprised it survived the first cut. Well, because it's a Green Arrow. Yeah, that's true. why. Yeah. There's a show in development. It's a, yeah. He's a major character. He's, they're not going to cancel the book. They'll just change the creative team. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, just, just the thing – you know, my first uh, Green Arrow that I ever read was in Dark Knight Returns. Like, right. I think of him as older and grisly. I like that. I know that doesn't sound incredibly saleable to, to you know, if you're a marketing person. But it's not. it took away everything about him that I found interesting. Uh, Green Arrow Year One. He's, in but example, he's been done in many, many different ways, and he's a yeah. very malleable character. He they had the the seventies era that Ron mentioned. They had the mm-hmm. the pre Vertigo Vertigo era with Mike Grell. That was an adult was an adult superhero book. They did the sort of adventuring married couple book. I mean, he he can fit into lots of different bu- buckets. Yeah. It's just a matter. But of he finding. was the same character in all those, and he's not that character in this book. Right. I wouldn't necessarily say that. All right. I mean, he didn't, he, he didn't look like him for just for one thing, like. I really think that that like trying to make him look like the TV show version with the young kid, like it took away all of the charm that he had with but me. That's what he now, when first not, started. I know I mean, I'm not a typical reader though, so I'm. I'm yeah. They they that. they brought him back to his roots, which was what he looked like when he first was a superhero, yeah. um, which yeah. was the different, slightly different costume to mimic the TV version, which I don't have a problem with. It makes sense. He was a good character on TV. People liked him. You know that's what they're trying to go for, but the ex- it comes down to execution, 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 and execution was was poor. That's yes. All right. Uh, one last voicemail to get in. <laughs> well, I don't know what I was saying. <laughs> you you said something in the other one. You were you made up a word, <laughs> but that's fine. Hey guys, my name is Greg from Nashville. I was just wondering, what are your favorite Elseworld or alternate universe stories? You know, I started reading Age of Apocalypse years ago, and I loved it, and that's been my favorite for years. I was just wondering, you know, what's your favorite was? All right, thanks. Listen to Josh get angry. <laughs> exactly. That's my favorite. <laughs> that's not an alternate reality. That's just now. I don't know. See, Josh hates alternate universe stories. Ron and I love, love them. That's not true. I just don't care. I just think of stories. Yeah. I, I just them. don't catalog them that way in my head, so I can't ever think of an answer to the question. Yeah. That's I'm mad at myself. Yeah, really, you should be. I would, I would take Marvel. alternate universe stories all day long. Yes. Oh, no, I could. and I'm totally fine with that, too. Uh, Marvel Zombies. There you go. See, was first that so one. hard? First one. First, you shut your hole. <laughs> My favorite alternate story is just everything that took place in D.C. before July. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Kingdom, Come, Kingdom Come, Dark Knight Returns. You know, those, those are two of the uh, sort of apex alternate stories in the D.C. side. You, you mentioned um, Age of Apocalypse is probably one of the Avengers Forever. Marvel doesn't do them as often. Yeah. But... Um, uh, uh, um, Avengers Prime almost was. Well, well, no, well, hang on. Marvel doesn't do it so often. I mean, you have the entire run of What If, which, which is is to me like the, you know, what if you know, what if the uh, you know, what if the I don't even know, what if Daredevil became the Punisher? What if you know, Phoenix, <laughs> what, if, if, uh, what if Phoenix had lived? What if um, Spider Man had joined the Fantastic Four? What if there's so what many if, great stories? What if there's that, some kind of panties I never even thought that. of? <laughs> no, um, those are great, but they haven't done them in a while. They, and, yeah, they haven't. Yeah. 
And they do, when they do do them, it's what if that book we put out last week? That, yeah, that's, the, that's the big problem with what if. I would read the hell out of a, a classic. The late 80s, early 90s what ifs were the best. They were just so good. And that's why. That's why it, was, it was to show why the choices you make are important and why you know these things that happen have a resonance. Not what if this just ended differently. Yep. Exactly. What if we could sell you a book that did this? Yep. What if we could spin that off into its own series? That's the question they're actually asking. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well. Um, yeah, so New Frontier. My- New Frontier is my favorite alternate. There you go. Real there you go. Story. All right, cool. Red so, Sun. I was, I just Red Sun think- is good. Oh, yes, there's so many. There, 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 Excalibur did a whole bunch of stuff with that back in the day. What, um, was, that, what was that X-Men book that Judd, Judd Winnick did? Exiles. Exiles was a whole series go. about it. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, and I that, never read it, but someone well, that's tied deeply it. into Age of Apocalypse because Blink was in it and all stuff like that. But anyway, so if you have any questions, you can you can call us at one eight eight fanboys. That's one eight eight three two six two six nine seven. Be sure to tune in uh, to iFanboy Don't Miss our uh, companion, one of our companion podcasts, which comes out every Monday, um, where we highlight a book that's coming out this week that you absolutely can't miss. So we talk to a creator about it. And this week, I spoke to Brandon Graham about Profit Number Twenty One, the Return of the Extreme line of books from Image, um, and Brandon. And Graham and Simon Roy are doing Profit 21. I've read it, and it is not what you expect. And it was kind of awesome. So uh, tune in to hear Brandon Graham of King City fame to talk about writing that book. And you can get that uh-huh. on iTunes and on iFanboy.com on Monday. Cool. You can also listen to the Make Comics podcast, which I am doing with uh, Andy Schmidt of Comics Experience, where we take 10, 12 minutes to uh, talk about a, a topic uh, germane to producers of comics uh, in the early stages. Whether you want to write or draw comics, we're trying to cover those bases. If you want to make comics, some craft stuff in there, but also sort of how to deal with the business and, and break in. Uh, really enjoying doing those shows, and I've loved hearing the feedback from them. Uh, I feel like I'm doing something helpful. Cool. I feel, feel good about it. Yeah, they've been good. Yep, they're fun. You can find that on Wednesdays and check out ifmway.com for Ron's Pick the Week review. One day you'll get his Book of the Month review. Uh, Monday you will. Before the month is out, you'll get Tomorrow it. Tomorrow you will, yeah. So All the in-depth but You're giving me a false sense of time, though. I'm going to be like, well, he's done. Now I go, oh, I only got three days. <laughs> ah, that's why I do it. <laughs> Every day we got news stories. We got opinion pieces. We got articles. We got fun stuff. We got serious stuff. We got all kinds of stuff. If you like comics, you have to be at ifmway.com. Check it out. And every Monday, there's the pull list. You can go to fanboy.com slash about and to see our staff list and our social media list. You can, fo- you can become our friend. Uh, find us through there. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash ifanboy or facebook.com slash ifanboy. And we do a video show. What video show? We don't do a video show. Do we do a video show? I don't know. I keep sending emails, but nobody responds to them. <laughs> I'm, out of, I'm out of pancake makeup. You can email us at contact.ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail at 1-888-FANBOYS. It's 1-888-326-2697. Keep them short. Keep them to 30 seconds. Let us know who you are, where you're from. Always good to hear from you. Call me. <laughs> Do you like <laughs> iTunes reviews? <laughs> If you like our shows, the things we do, uh, leave iTunes reviews and uh, be honest. It's fine. Uh, or, or any other podcast. That's just a great way. If, to, if, you, if you like this wonderful free media that you're experiencing, you should help uh, propagate it because that will help everybody. A, a rising tide, all boats and whatnot. Uh, or just tell people about it. Link them up on, on websites. You hear a good show. Spread the word. Use your social networking power to do so. so and, and we thank you very much for that. All right, so until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I am Josh. Thanks very much, everyone.